When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is comedian, actor and podcaster Anna Leong Brophy. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for joining me. So I always start off by asking, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? Well, I was trying to think of that before, you know, and I, was, I mean, surely I've seen it before. I'm sure I've <laughs> seen it before. But it, yeah, it I mean, I've I've basically forgotten Tina existed, so it's just a testament to oh, my... To poor <laughs> Tina. <laughs> so that is a testament to my memory more than anything, not to the top-notch quality of the S-Club series. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure I must have been, but I wonder if... When was this made, Sophie? should have done my research. This series was 2000 and the first series was 1999. Wow, okay, okay. So I kind of was the right age, age range. I think I was more into the American TV shows, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe you were too cool or your brain has like wiped it. It's done you a favour and gone, no, you maybe, don't need yeah. to store that in your maybe memory. I, maybe I was too cool or my brain now wants me to think I was too cool. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely had the, um, uh, the sort, one of the, you know, as club song in my head classic absolute banger um that's been in my head the whole day just in the run-up to knowing that we're going to record this podcast sort of as an homage yeah i think so yeah so i was no stranger and actually oh my god i can't believe i'm just remembering this now i believe i saw them live oh really on a saturday morning tv show recording smtv live Oh, yeah, that would probably be right. So you were like in the, so you were in the audience for SMTV Live. Yeah, like a legend. Oh, wow. That is a claim <laughs> to fame. I'm very jealous. I think my friend told me, and I'm going to throw her under the bus because I'm pretty sure she said that the offspring were playing, were going to be on SMTV. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we'll go, we'll go. They weren't. They weren't there. You got S Club instead. You got S Clubbed, fully S Clubbed. And yeah, and I remember seeing them because obviously between each, it's, it's literally rushing back to me now, um, between the takes of their number, of their number, they were kind of just kind of chilling together on, on the little stage chatting. And I was like, oh, it's not weird. They're just chatting away. It was my first, it was my first peek behind the, the curtain. I, I didn't know what I thought would happen other than that would they would just be chatting like normal people but I was like oh they're all friends oh wow so we've already triggered this memory we're like five minutes in and you're like wait a minute I've seen them live I just I don't remember the performance or what song it was but I remember kind of like John and Hannah teasing each other Mm -hmm. and me watching from the balcony being like huh jokes wow yeah I'm sure they were probably on SMTV all the time it was that sort of show wasn't it yeah very early 2000s not the offspring, not so much. <laughs> Surprised you believed your friend. I was, I'm incredibly gullible, just so your <laughs> listeners know. If you tell me the offspring's going to be somewhere, I'll turn up. <laughs> Even now. <laughs> Even now, yeah. <laughs> so today we're talking about LA7 episode six, which is called Prom. And it aired on CBBC on the 11th of May in the year 2000. Um, we start off on the beach with the band talking about 
how Paul is apparently really bad at flirting with girls. And I mean, literally in the previous episode, he had a girlfriend, but okay. For the purposes of this episode, Paul is bad with women because <sighs> that's how this show works. Their characters very much change depending on what the episode requires. <laughs> so Paul tries to approach this woman while she's kind of mid-run, isn't she? Which isn't really a good idea. He just kind of accosts her and tries to start a conversation while she's running along the beach. It's quite triggering, really, you know. He just sort of jumps out at her like, Hi! Whoa, don't do that to a woman. My God. (laughs) And I mean, is this supposed to be the woman who John then fancies later? Because I couldn't figure out. It's like, they're both blonde. And I had a look on IMDb and it does just say girl on beach like there isn't another girl because <laughs> that's how much depth the female side characters have in this they don't get names even if they're a love interest yeah there was another girl who shouts at bradley and she actually has technically got a line she says something in another language like in italian or something and beats him away when bradley goes and tries to chirp her so yeah because bradley's kind of like oh watch the master paul and then he goes up to this girl and she starts kind of like swatting him away with a magazine like he's a fly or something yeah yeah exactly it's i mean straight away my first impressions if i may jump in with my first impressions overall um was oh there's already too many of them and there's not even all of them are there. Yeah, for some reason, like two or three of them aren't even there. And yeah, already you're struggling to figure out what's going on, who's got what personality. Exactly. Because actually it's John who ends up being the really bad at flirting with women character, but they kind of bounce it off Paul via Bradley onto John. Yeah, and it's unclear whether this is the same girl because at first I assumed it wasn't because John literally sees her now and doesn't react at all. But I checked IMDb and there is not like another person. So it might just be the same girl. It might be and it might not. Essentially, it's It's unclear. It's unclear and it's also of no relevance because there is is zero agency or (laughs) specificity about this girl. You know, this sort of thing always drives me mad because it just plays into that Western ideal of, uh, and they talk about it later. I don't know if we're allowed to go into that, but. Um, yeah, sure. But you're like, what, 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 uh, how, how, John, how, how have you fallen in love with this person? It takes a line, a single line. She, you know, I saw her reading my favorite book or we chatted briefly and she's so funny. No, he's never <laughs> spoken to her. <laughs> But he's in love with yeah. her because she's got long blonde hair. Because when he sees her later, she's just literally walking down the street, kind of laughing to herself, even though she's not with anyone. Like she's a woman in an advert or something. Yeah. Well, she essentially is a woman in an advert. And that's that's as much sort of love connect. She's she's a pullout from FHM as far <laughs> as John's concerned. But she's the perfect woman. <laughs> And also a teenager, which we will go into later. But um, okay, yeah, yeah. On on the beach, Hannah says that Rachel is actually the best at flirting, so she needs to kind of choose a target and show the boys how it's done. Yeah, and Bradley sort of gets out a video camera, and they all start doing Attenborough impressions. And I thought Paul's was quite reasonable. The other two, not so much. But I thought Paul did a pretty decent impression. Paul has the most. Uh... Thus far, certainly sort of has the most pep, you know? Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of something behind it, but Rachel does nothing. Again, what is the situation? I'm really sorry because I'm like trying to be very open to the whole scenario <laughs> and stuff. But I mean, what an outrage. Rachel, you, mm-hmm. Rachel's the best at flirting. Okay, cool. Let's see Rachel flirt then. Oh, no, she just carries on lying there. And a 45-year-old man pretending to be a teenager comes <laughs> over. Like, yeah, she doesn't even do anything. She doesn't even flick her hair or... Yeah, it's just that she's not great at flirting. She's just really beautiful. And they've mistaken that for she's good at flirting. But this is... It's its such... Um, it's it, it kind of... Let me get my thoughts in order here. It subscribes to the same sort of faulty tenet 
of, of, for example, The Bachelor, you know, the movie, the TV show, The Bachelor, because we, Rachel is just as attractive as any of the other girls in the band, but we are just told to endow her with some sort of magical quality that she does not bother to kind of work towards, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're like, wow, Rachel's so great at flirting. And then she doesn't do anything to kind of play into that. And we've all got to believe that instead of going up to Hannah or Tina, Joe's not there at that time, but like, he's like, oh, Hamana, Hamana, this is the most beautiful woman. You're on Venice Beach. <laughs> Every woman there is incredibly attractive, as we've just seen the three women that went past that the boys liked. <laughs> so Yeah. And it's slightly creepy. He comes over and he says so he creepy. already knows who Rachel is because he says he's seen her around but Rachel seems quite sort of charmed by this how do you know her name if you see and he says it like a fucking cover story it's like a stalker's cover story he says I've seen you in the cafe and on the beach and then he says the exact same lines to the band and I'm like that's a red flag get out now he's been going through your trash and coming up with this really fake wooden cover story. What? Yeah. Because in the context of this show, S Club are not a famous band. So he's like their only fan. He, like, he, he somehow knows them and knows all of their names as well. He's just been stalking them around town for some reason. But just happened to choose that, that exact moment when they said, Rachel's really good at flirting. And she picked him out. It's like just by turning her mental energy towards Sam he then mm-hmm. knows that it's his turn time to come and approach her she just goes oh that guy's quite cute me thinking okay now she's going to go over and like go hi I'm Rachel and he's going to go oh please can I have your number instead she goes that guy's quite cute and as if on cue he comes over <laughs> <laughs> he's like bugged her or something he knows he's being talked about and he's just sort of <laughs> propelled towards her it's exactly. my time <laughs> That's the only explanation I personally can think of. Um, and he's so old. Yeah, he, as you said before, he looks like a fully adult man. He's really tall. He's got chest hair and everything. Yeah. And he says to Rachel, it's my high school prom in a couple of days. I was horrified. And he invites her to be his date. And Rachel doesn't even blink, does she? She's like, no. oh, that sounds great. Right. <laughs> That's just a regular day for Rachel. <laughs> Because I, I was expecting her to be like, oh, okay. Like, I thought that was going to be the joke of the scene, that she was going to be like, wait, you're in high school. Oh, no, thank you. But she's just like, yeah, sure. And it's it's particularly preposterous because they've cast that character, that man, this sort of lantern-jawed, like the Hoff, like a young Hoff, <laughs> right? And he is there in contrast to... The youngest looking skinny little weedy British boys. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit later where he's standing next to the three of them, isn't it? Where they're about to go to the prom and he is like <sighs> twice the height of all of them. I know. I mean, John is so, he's such a like delicate flower. And then to add insult to injury, you're going to put this Baywatch star next to him. Just not fair. It's not, it's not fair. Yeah. And Rachel is about 21, 22 at this point. Um, So, and also, so it's weird as well that she's been paired up with him because Hannah's actually the youngest girl. And I think she's about, well, even then she's not high school age. She's like 19, 20, something like that. Really? Um, It's just the fact that Rachel is just like, yeah, sure, I'll go to your prom with you. (laughs) Just another day being asked out by a high schooler. Yeah. And she's got kind of... um... She's got kind of a, like a, although mm, actually saying that, how old does it go up to in high school in, in America? Because it's slightly different, don't they? I, th- I think it's, is it just 18? I thought Maybe. it was a Maybe, so it's still be a thing. little baby. Yeah, because I think I looked at when people have their prom, because I wanted to double check just in case it was, it was even younger, like 16, but yeah. apparently it's 18 usually. But yeah, it's preposterous that this guy is like 17, 18 in his final year of high school. Yeah. And she's got this kind of like, she's got just this almost maternal nonchalance about everything that happens to her, <laughs> where she's like, okay, well, yeah, I, I guess so. 
nothing can surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest of the band are all kind of making fun of her because she's being all like, oh, what should I wear? But then he turns to them and says, oh, I've seen you guys perform before. Would you all like to come to the prom and do a few songs? And they all start being a bit sort of coy and going, oh, what should we wear? So they've also been invited to the prom. I'm not sure why he has this authority. Well, well. exactly. I mean, (laughs) as far as my knowledge of um, American films goes, like the prom is being planned from the year before. (laughs) Yeah. And that was another thing where I was like, there's no theme to this prom. Isn't the whole thing, there's always a prom theme. This is the whole, I mean, I'm sure it's a budgetary constraint that there was no you know under the under the sea theme yeah and it's yeah he's gonna ruffle a few feathers that he's gonna turn up to the prom and say oh by the way I booked a band yesterday (laughs) just for no reason oh great a band so are they playing are they gonna be no no they don't have any instruments okay so they're (laughs) they're not a band no there's seven of them though Uh, and they all just go along with it. They're like, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi. Hi. I'm Sam. You're Rachel, aren't you? Yeah. How did you know that? I've seen you around at the beach and at the cafe. Oh, really? Yeah. Listen, I was wondering, it's my high school prom in a couple of days, and I was wondering if you'd like to come with me. Yeah, I'd love to. That would be great. Um, What should I wear? Well, it's quite formal, but I'm sure you'd look great in anything. Thanks. Oh, that's outrageous. I'm glad I never behaved like that. Me too. Hey, aren't you guys with the S Club 7? How did you know? I've seen you play at the beach and at the cafe. Oh, really? Oh, no way. Hey, listen, I was wondering, it's my high school prom in a couple days. And I was wondering if you guys like to come play a few songs. That'd be great. Yeah, we, we'd love to. So what should we wear? Oh, I'm sure you guys look great in anything. Oh, you should say So I'll see you in a couple days? Yeah. 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 I looked up this actor and he's pretty successful, which is quite a rarity for this show. Usually I look up the actors and they've got like not many credits. This yes. guy's called Jeff Stoltz. Um, and he's in like Grace and Frankie, oh. Little Fires Everywhere. He was the lead on a, a Fox show called Enlisted, which I've never heard of, but he was like the lead on it. So well, he's doing quite well. Go on, Jeff. But I checked and yeah, he was like 22 or something at the time of this. So he had no business being cast as this character. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Maybe Rachel chose him. <laughs> yeah, maybe she picked him out of a lineup. Yeah. She probably has that kind of power. Well, maybe they all did, because as we'll come to see later, they're all fighting over him later. Maybe they thought it would be more believable that he looked older. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it doesn't seem to um, to be the driving force behind... Again, they've been assigned... Oh, God. I mean, should we wait till we get there? Because I have things to say about that, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. So after the beach, they're all at the cafe with uh, their landlady, Joni. And she's talking about some time she fell in love at first sight. And this is a weird conversation because they all start talking about whether love at first sight is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And even though Joni has literally just said that she fell in love at first sight with someone, which is what started the whole conversation. She then denies it. Yeah, Bradley turns to her and says, has it ever happened to you? And she says, no. (laughs) What is going on? It's so confusing. It's... I think (laughs) it's one of those conversations that I think it just sort of goes over your head initially. But when you actually listen to it, you're like, what? But she just said it. That's what started the conversation it's I'm so annoyed about this now yeah no you're quite right because it's so lazy um in terms of like it does make you think how was this production made because even I mean that's Linda Blair I've no doubt you've already yeah. had your your Linda Blair moment but I was having it there I was like I recognize her shit me it's Linda Blair um did she you know she's clearly cares so little about the part that she's not like, 
Oh, but I did just say, excuse me, sorry, before, <laughs> before we go for a take, I did just say that I fell in love. You know, the script writers, the director, all seven of the cast, no one was like, oh, there's an inconsistency here. I was like, let's just shoot it. Let's just shoot it. <laughs> and there's another one similarly in a minute with her again, so... I'll mention it at the time. But yeah, Linda Blair is underused in this show. Her character is basically like, I'm a middle-aged woman who like likes men and dates a lot of men. And that's basically it. Yeah, I'm a kook. I'm a kook with these mm-hmm. seven kids and the, living. And they all just sort of roll their eyes at her. Yeah, it's it's bizarre Linda that Blair she's... Linda Blair deserves better. She deserves better, Sophie. She really does. And and she's meant to be the sort of parental figure, I, I'm guessing. Again, just from my one episode viewing. Yeah, she just kind of comes around and asks for the rent and they all try to hide from her because they're children. (laughs) They're actually children. (laughs) Can you imagine the state that their flat would actually be in? Mm -hmm. Just seven 20-year-olds. Oh my God, it would be a nightmare. And while she's talking at this point about romantic stuff john is like openly just yawning and he sort of walks off and goes oh it's a load of old rubbish um because again personalities change for some reason in this episode john hates romance which is not a running thing it's it's just in this one episode he doesn't does he because actually it's not even in this episode it's just in that moment where (laughs) for a few seconds yeah because for the rest of the episode he's a lovesick puppy going, she might be the one. What if she's the one and I never see her again? So you'd think that actually Linda Blair backing up his theory that he's fallen in love at first sight, would be he would be the one going, see, love at first sight does exist. I told you I've fallen in love with this girl. It's legitimately love. But instead he's just like, what's this, what's this bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> What's she talking about? You just said that you fell in love with a girl who walked across in the beach. So yeah, because this is the bit where she's sort of walking along, smiling and laughing, blonde hair flowing in the wind. Um, John sort of runs out, but she's gone for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And and later on, they kind of make uh, quite a sort of neat little joke about, like a meta joke. Oh, she walks very slowly because she's always being shown in yeah. sort of slow motion. But they should... they. That should have been dropped in here. You only see her a couple of times. So like, start that joke running. You get a call back then. No, no, they just kind of half-heartedly drop it in later down the line. But yeah, she looks like like a really budget Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, that's probably what the casting call said. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Low rent Alicia Silverstone, yeah. Yeah, and you don't get any lines. No. You just get to laugh into your giant mobile phone at one point. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Mm, You hear George Clooney's eyes, and you hear George Clooney's smile, and he hear George Clooney's body. It was love at first sight. So why are you still with him? Well, he didn't quite have George Clooney's wallet. You don't really believe in love at first sight, do you? Yeah, I do. Has it ever actually happened to you? No. I had love at fifth sight once. That was quite nice. Mm, I've had love at third sight. Mm, that was lovely. Well, I've had love at no sight. Beat that. How did you manage that? Well, I met him on the internet. We exchanged romantic emails for months. He told me that he was a 45-year-old millionaire with his own airplane. But then when I finally met him, he was a 14-year-old squirt with his own skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it's all a load of old rubbish anyway. Well, you would. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So they all they all decide to leave the cafe and go home. And I like how the reason they give for this is, oh, we said we'd write some more songs today because <laughs> oh. we're in series two of this show now and we still haven't fully established how seven people write songs together. It sounds like a nightmare. I mean, it... And that's another thing, isn't it? It's like the basic premise of them being a band, a struggling band in LA or what have you, or that basic thing is like this kind of band does not exist without <laughs> management. Like it's not a group of friends who started playing in a in a garage and then were like, oh yeah, we're a band. Let's try and get assigned. <laughs> You're your seven random people who have been pulled together <laughs> by an outside force and created specifically to dance to pop songs. And, and you're trying to kind of market yourself. Oh, God, our agent really isn't pulling their weight. <laughs> <laughs> and as you said before, none of them play any instruments. So <laughs> I don't know how they're producing any sort of music. Often they'll just burst into song and you don't even know where the music is coming from. Yeah. You're like, these are, well, these are definitely like highly produced pop songs. They're not a cappella tunes that you're, you know, strumming your acoustic guitar or even just singing, singing a cappella. No, no, no. <laughs> There's a whole backing track. <laughs> And in the context of this show, there's never an explanation for how they all met. Because you think they would do that sort of thing. Like, it would be quite fun to do a little, you know, fictional it flashback episode where they all meet in, like, if, do they all go to the same school? We don't know. It's never said. <laughs> they could have made something up. That's why they're getting this um, kind of Dadaist um, approach to character that is just like constantly fluctuating. It's like they've cut up all the lines that characters could say and then just thrown them up in the air and each, all of the seven just scramble for some lines. And they're like, yay, I get to say this line about love. Oh no, and this one, I really like coffee. Because if they'd established some kind of, you know, Tina and Hannah went to school together, Bradley and Paul used to play basketball together, but John's the oddball, he came in, whatever it is, then they'd have all those like actual character traits to fall back on. <laughs> yeah, there is no backstory. No, blowing in the wind, just Rachel's hot. That's all we know is Rachel is hot and Bradley <laughs> is black. And those are the only things that anyone's falling back on at any point. I suppose Joe's a bit Larry. Yeah, it's like in primary school, did you ever used to do that thing where you'd get together with some friends and be like, oh, we're a band now. We're going to like learn some dance routines on the <laughs> yeah. playground. But it's like that, but like it carried on just yeah. past school and they just carried on doing it. And somehow seven people write songs together. <laughs> it's great. It is magical. The, the suspension of disbelief required from the young audience at which this is aimed it really does. It it teaches you the mind tricks that then in later life leads to um, unrealistic expectations in life and love. That's so this is the point where they all start talking about how they need a new agent. Um, and they only got this agent like three episodes ago when they arrived in LA. So they haven't given him much of a chance. But right. they're all kind of like, oh, we can't just keep playing birthday parties and bar mitzvahs and the only proper gig we've got coming up is this prom and I like how they classify that as a proper gig where we, we don't even know if they're being paid for it there was no financial stuff discussed on the beach they're just turning up yeah um, discussed on the beach as well like there was no exchange of phone numbers <laughs> nothing they were just like we're just gonna rock up and hope they have yeah. seven wireless microphones at their disposal <laughs> Yeah, this seems official. This high school has invited us to his prom. That seems enough yeah. like <laughs> formal stuff that we need. 
And um, this is a weird inconsistency again, because Joni says to them at this point, oh, I might be able to help you out because I once used to date an agent. Yeah. And then the scene ends. And then in the next scene, they're all in their apartment. Joni pops around and goes, oh, I was thinking about what you were saying about getting a new agent before. Oh, and she kind of goes on about how, oh, I used to have an agent because I he got me a part in Charlie's Angels, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. this is a different agent that she's talking about. Yeah. Because she said, she said before, oh, I might be able to help. I used to date an agent. And then literally 10 seconds later in a different scene, oh, I might be able to help you out. I used to have an agent. <laughs> it's yeah. just two, the same conversation twice about different agents. It's very bizarre. and And also, I mean, obviously this is, in the light of such inconsistencies, almost by the by, but an acting agent is not the same as an agent for a band by any <laughs> real stretch of the imagination. Like, I don't even know if you would necessarily, you'd need a manager, a band mm-hmm. manager. I don't know if an agent just sounds more glamorous to, you know, the young'uns back at home, but yeah, she's like, well, they're not trying to get a part on Charlie's Angels. They're a band. <laughs> they're trying to get gigs. And she doesn't even really give them an in, does she? She just tells them what his name is because she yeah. doesn't really... It sounds like they didn't leave things on good terms because she says she was the fourth angel in Charlie's Angels. But then God, Charlie made so a pass at her. Awkward. So she hit him and that's why you never see his face in the show. I mean... So- it's yeah. not even like she's friends with this agent. She's just told them that he's called Mr. Walters. Yeah, essentially, she might as well have said, I know the name of Jim Carrey's agent. And then they would have <laughs> just gone down to the offices. And and if she had been one of Charlie's angels, that would have been 20 years ago. So no, God, it would have been even, it would be like 30 years ago because that was the 70s, wasn't it? Yeah, so, it's not a great reference for the kids. It's not. It's not a great reference. Um, and it does feel like they've given her a little speech for her to sort of have something to chew on that is mm-hmm. essentially leading to a very thin joke that actually is, again, we're, we're positing a world where, oh, yeah, I was on set and um, a predatory man made a move on me, so I had to defend myself. <laughs> I'll send you along to the agent that gave me that job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she's specifically said the actor who plays Charlie as well. And that's, so that's a real man. And she's just sort of libeled him in this TV show. Yeah, Whoever that actor is. So strange. So strange. And they all, they all are like, I think they all simultaneously go, let's go or something like that. Like a sort of power Rangers. They jump now that we the know sofa. the name of an agent, we need to go. Like they could have just got the yellow pages or something, surely. Yeah. But now that they, it's like they didn't know of any other agents that existed in LA. And they're going to Walter, Walter, something, and Walter. Well, she says that his name is Walter, but then how, how do they know which Walter of the many Walters oh, on the yeah. list? I don't even think of that. They they just say, oh, we're here to see Mr. Walters. But and also I quite like how during this little scene, John is kind of moping around and he's talking about, oh, I saw this amazing girl for a few seconds. What if I never see her again? So he's preparing for his role in later life as Marius in Les Mis, because that is like word for word. Oh, wow. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that was his his path. Um, yeah. Again, though, like, I know, I'm sorry, I can, I could feel, there are certain things that I watch and I'm like, why are you making me feel like such a snowflake? But it's just like, you've seen her for a second and now you're scared you're never going to see her again. Why don't you have a think about the parameters of what you think love is and the difference between love and lust? You don't, you've never even spoke to, spoken to her. So what's the connection here? You like her tits. They're all encouraging him as well. Come on, come on, come on, come on, John. <sighs> yeah. So they go to see this agent um, and the receptionist is trying to sort of brush them off. She keeps telling them his books are full. Uh, yeah. This is the actress's sole credit on IMDb, just going, his books are full over and over again. Was it her only credit? Yeah. God, I do wonder where where were they getting these actors? 
and the band are all kind of like, oh, but we're really good and we work really hard, as if that's like a unique thing to say. Yeah. And it just kind of ends with them sort of walking off, rolling their eyes like, oh, that was a waste of time. Like, how dare she not let a random (laughs) bunch of teenagers into the offices of an enormous (laughs) LA agency? (laughs) But they come up with a new plan, don't they? That they're going to sort of invade the agency, posing as people delivering various things. So they've got like parcels, a pizza, a cake. Hannah is dressed as a clown for some reason with balloons. Looking great, to be honest, though. She's really pulling off that clown outfit. I was quite into it with the kind of hoop skirt. Mm -hmm. It's good. Um, It does, again, like... The, the the kind of thematic feel of the show just like jumps to shark there because suddenly you're in a kind of like a Benny Hill sketch where they're walking past in procession with a pizza, flowers, champagne. <laughs> yeah, not sure. Like they're then going, ste- stepping fully out of the parameters of real life in that and t- sort of going into a, like an I Love Lucy scenario. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and Bradley's like at the back and he has no idea what's going on for some reason. I like the idea that they were all getting dressed in these costumes and Bradley, like, I don't even know what he's been doing. He has he has no concept of what's happening at all. Yeah, it's an interesting thing with Bradley. I don't know how it plays out with the rest of the show, but it feels like a bit of a lazy... They've just been quite lazy with the with his characterization of like the urban guy who just doesn't know what's going on, but is really good with the ladies. And do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he's, like he, he's very chilled and that sort of thing. Yeah. He's like, yeah, whatever. And him being like the only person of color in the whole show is, uh, he's like, Oh, all the white kids went and did this clown champagne thing. I just went for a burger. <laughs> <laughs> just joined back at the end. It's like, Way to single out Bradley, guys. Yes, occasionally there'll be a scene where they're all like rehearsing and he's just like asleep or like he's listening to some music on some headphones or something. Like he's just not with it for some reason. He's not having any part in this nonsense. He's just kind of following (laughs) them. Maybe Bradley's just got more dignity than the rest of them. He's like, I am not wearing a costume to get into an agent's office. So they storm into this office give Mr. Walters all of these gifts. So he lets them perform one song and they do a kind of little shortened version of S Club Party. And I've written down, they look like a sort of weird version of the village people because Hannah is like dressed as a clown. Joe's a chef. John has got like a sort of UPS outfit on. Yeah. It's it's very odd. It's not the best pitch for an agent really, is it? And they don't even know if he does music. No. And he also is like, no, I don't want you to perform. Get Just out. Get out. I'm I'm in a meeting. I'm literally in a meeting. And uh, they've got such a sort of um, arrogance about them in general. Like, we are worth so much. You will stop your life <laughs> and we will change it. Um, <laughs> which really seems to carry them, honestly. Yeah, maybe it's the... The British accents as well. The Americans are like, wow, they're just sort of blinded by it. Yeah. <laughs> and while they're doing this performance, there's a poster behind them for something called Zombie Prom, which I guess is some sort of fake film they've come up with. But that's the version of this episode I'd like to see. Absolutely. I mean, why wasn't <laughs> that the theme for the prom? We would have been, that would have been great. Because that did confuse me at first. When I noticed, I was thinking, oh, is that like a poster for the prom? But I don't, it's not, obviously. (laughs) But it should have been a zombie prom. That would be, spice it up a bit. And then we have that moment at the end when he again dismisses them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, we're going to, but we're playing at this prom. Why don't you come? Can you can you invite a 50-year-old man to come to a prom? That, <laughs> is a there not a safeguarding, role. some sort of safeguarding issue with teenagers? No, no, just inviting this old man. <laughs> and he basically Weinsteins Rachel into going out with his son. <laughs> it's just, yeah, this is not okay. 
It's not okay. And again, there are four perfectly serviceable women. Rachel's the only one with a date. And they're all like, <laughs> all seven of them are like, yeah, obviously, Rachel. It's like, what? What's happening here? What about the other girls? Yeah, they kind of offer her up, don't they? Because he doesn't specifically pick out Rachel. He just says, oh, my son doesn't have a date for the prom. It's That's a shame, isn't it? And then I think it's Paul who goes, oh, Rachel will go with him. And yeah, like you said, they all they all know she's going to the prom with someone else. Why are they trying to make her life so difficult? But there's a weird thing because, again, I think it's some lazy script writing surprise, but... Um, where he goes, my son doesn't have a date and Rachel chooses to answer, almost making it seem like Rachel has assumed. She's like, oh, that's a shame. And he's like, no, he doesn't have a date. She says something like, yeah, I heard you. Rachel, just keep stum. (laughs) And secondly, this is not okay. We're not, you're not getting pimped to some guy's son. Not cool. (laughs) Not cool. Yeah, there was an episode in series one where they were like stranded somewhere and then a guy gave them a lift home in his truck and they offered to pay him. But he was like, oh, it's fine. It's already sorted. And it turned out Bradley had like agreed, oh, if Rachel sits next to you in the front, then you don't have, then like it's, we'll call it even. Oh my God. So again, pimping out Rachel in series one. This is a running thing for some Genuinely horrifying. And and it's putting so, you know, looking back and I'm like, I must have seen this. Um, But even so, like this is what is being peddled to, what's the target audience do you think, the target age range? Well, yeah, I would have been like eight at the time. And I think that was probably about the right age. Right. Yeah. It, It is saying like, this is, this is your worth. This is what you do with it. (laughs) this is how you get ahead in life. Um, And if a guy, if random men come up to you and go, I value you for your beauty, you have to be like, oh my God, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I won't go out with the guy that I quite like the look of who's invited me on a date. I will, (laughs) I will go with this, with a stranger in order to somehow get something in my career. That's what we want to sell? Yeah, and she's clearly upset about it. Yeah. yeah she's clearly upset on the way out. And the, the rest of the band are just like, oh, it's for the good of the band. Like They're just not on her side at all. Because if, yeah, because genuinely, like, can we not envisage if this, if they were 10 years older or whatever, or even then, you know? Okay, but I need a date for my thing tonight. Go on, Rachel's for the good of the band. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's literally <laughs> a Weinstein situation. Those are the situations... <laughs> you're getting set into like you've got to for your career s club seven is mm-hmm. is really to blame <laughs> well, not, not bad at all and then get out of here oh wait we're singing at a high school prom tomorrow night would you come and see us which school west beverly high really my son goes there oh great so does that mean you're gonna come see us then well you know i'm not sure the thing is my son doesn't have a date for the prom oh that's a shame I said my son doesn't have a date for the prom. Yeah, I heard you the first time. (laughs) No, I don't think you did. My son needs a date for the prom. That's okay, Rachel will go with him. What? How kind of you to offer, he accepts. No, listen, I'm really sorry, but I can't take your son to the school prom. I already have it. Ow! A sore foot! She was just going to say she's got a sore foot. No problem, my son's not that good a dancer anyway. (laughs) Leave your address with the secretary, he'll pick you up at seven. Thanks a lot, guys. But Rach, it's for the good of the band. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't worry about Sam. We'll take care of him. Yeah, that's what worries me. Oh, my God. There she is. And this is the point where that um, John's mystery girl walks past again and Joe goes there. Um, she walks a bit slowly, though, doesn't she? Yeah. Which is quite good. Um, and John runs after her again and misses her again. Um, and then it's, it's time for the prom. And... Also creepy again, Sam shows up to the apartment two hours early um, and he also says that he let himself in downstairs. Horrifying. I mean, how are they (laughs) believing any of this stuff? I mean, just red flags left, right and centre. I do quite like their little sort of girly gaggle before he comes in though. They're kind of getting ready for the party in their dressing gowns and their hair's kind of in rollers and stuff 
And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'd, I'd like to see a bit more of that, sort of just the girls hanging out. But it's very quickly interrupted yeah. by the love interest. <laughs> yeah, two hours early. Mm. And she, so obviously she has to break the news to him that she has to go to prom with someone else. And she says, oh, don't worry, though. I found you an alternative date. And for oh. some reason, it's Joe, Tina and Hannah together. And Again. he's quite excited, isn't he? Again, like he says, uh, "If I can't go with you. I don't want to go with anyone. And then she's like, what about these three women? These three women are equal to one of me, Rachel, the hot one. And he's like, yay, okay, that does sound like a good idea. What do you think is going to happen here, mate? What do you think is going to happen? He says, this is the happiest day of my life. I mean, even on the very chaste end of things, do you think you're going to get like a kiss from all of them? Or like, yeah, What's the what's the benefit here? But yeah, yeah, it is very strange that they think, oh, the three of them are the equivalent of one Rachel. So insulting. Like that's a su- suitable alternative. So so insulting <laughs> to those poor women. Oh god. And um, this is the point where Billy Walters shows up to the apartment, and he's a sort of standard high school nerd sort of character like he basically collapses when he sees Rachel for the first time yeah I think he's genuinely the most attractive man in the whole episode yeah and he does look like he could pass being sort of 18 and he's not like like a Baywatch sort of guy like Sam no no exactly he's like geeky looking but still kind of quite yeah it it definitely says something about my taste in men where I was like now, he does look like he's in a band. <laughs> <laughs> I like his glasses. Yeah. That he's uh, overwhelmed by Rachel's stunning uh, beauty. Yeah. and But he says his dad isn't coming to the prom anyway. So obviously the band are all upset. But Rachel says she'll be his date anyway, which is quite nice. Rachel's kind of suffering for being too nice in this. She'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll still go with you, even though it's not going to do anything for my career Rachel really takes everything into her stride I think um yeah (laughs) again just like doesn't feel awkward about saying oh I can't come to the prom with you even though you've literally come to pick me up two hours early (laughs) um doesn't say your dad's a a a liar and a manipulative (laughs) uh man who's forced me to go out with you so no I'm not gonna go out with you (laughs) She's really keeping it together. Day in the life of Rachel Stevens. There's just multiple <laughs> men competing over her. Yeah, 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 yeah. So off they go. Doesn't even blink when something big happens. No. She's got one mode. Yeah, they arrive at the prom in quite a fancy venue, but it's kind of, it's called something like Beverly Hills High or something, isn't it? So it's obviously like rich kids. Yeah. Uh, and Joe, Tina and Hannah have forgotten how to behave like normal people. Because, like, Sam says, oh, tell me about yourself. And they all just talk at the same time for ages. And he's like, wait, one at a time. And they all look super annoyed. (laughs) Like, that's an unreasonable request. Like, oh, we were just being normal. And I like as well how you you can't really, you can only make out what Joe's saying for some reason. And she's going... um, She's saying she's a Taurus. (laughs) Yeah, she says, I'm a Taurus. That's the bull. I'm really clumsy and I like cars. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So, why don't you tell me about yourselves? Well, I'm a I'm a I'm One at a time, okay? Why don't we start with you, Joe? All right. Um, but first of all, I'm a bit hot, so can you take my jacket? Sure. Yeah, and I'm a bit cold, so can you go and get mine? Ugh. I don't like that. Can you get me something else? Something orangey, but not orange juice or squash, and nothing with bubbles. Okay. Ah, get us another one, those, will ya? I'm parched. Okay. Yeah, I did. I thought again, like my alarm bells were ringing when they, as they left the apartment in the previous scene. Um, he's like, "Oh, it's the best day of my life," and John, I think it's John, says. Oh, how wrong, how wrong can a man be or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Essentially setting up the fact of like, women are a nightmare. (laughs) Yep. 
three, three women. women. Honestly, you think going out on a date with one woman's bad. Imagine going out with three women. Yap, yap, yap. Yeah, which I guess, I don't know, in a way it sort of appeals to what I imagine is the the tween mentality of like, I like girls. Oh, but girls are weird. But mm-hmm. it is... um yeah, very problematic that, yeah, not only do they forget how to behave and that they are friends and that they don't even, they none of them have expressed a s- sort of romantic interest in this person before. Again, like The Bachelor, suddenly they're thrown, they're thrown into the roles of competing women, even though that's not the case. And they not only that, they've also forgotten what a prom is. They want chips. <laughs> They want, <laughs> Tina wants her coat. You want a coat? You've got a nice dress on. What are you talking about? You want a coat? She wants a, a sandwich from the deli over the road. Yeah. It's a prom. What are you talking about? It's bizarre requests. And I like as well how Joe goes, I want English chips, not American chips. Yeah. <laughs> so specific. He's got to go to a chippy, a deli. And then he's got to go and get Hannah an orangey drink that isn't orange juice squash or something fizzy. What is there? <laughs> what is there left? You've ticked everything off the list, Hannah. And Joe just sort of Joe just sort of downs her drink, doesn't she? And she's like, "Get me another one of those, will ya?" Like it's just so unreasonable. <sighs> oh, this yeah. poor guy. He looks he looks immediately exhausted. Yeah. Well, they are being exhausting. I want chips, English chips, not American chips. And get me a sandwich, will you? Not from here, from the deli across the road. You can take my jacket and get me another drink. Right, okay. And hurry up about it, we're on stage in a minute. It's going really well, isn't it? Yeah, he's quite nice, isn't he? Yeah. And they are sort of like literally pulling him in different directions at one point, aren't they? And you can hear his suit is kind of ripping. Yeah. Yeah, as you said before, they're in competition now. For no real reason. No like, we don't reason. know if any of them actually fancy him. Do no. they all fancy him? He's 17 slash 18. Like, it's it's all very odd. Yeah. He's a 40-year-old man disguised as a 17-year-old <laughs> trying to <laughs> get close to these young women in a band. Um, and it, again, for sort of perpetuating that idea that, like, as soon as there is a man in the picture, it's every woman for, for themselves. Like there is no mm-hmm. female solidarity is just like who wins. Whereas when it's Rachel, they all take a back seat. There's, yeah. They never like, you know, would have been an obvious place in the previous scene when they're like, oh, Rachel will go out with you. Any of the three of them could have been like, well, we don't have a date. Rachel already has a date. We don't have a date, but they're just like, yeah, well, it is Rachel. (laughs) She's got the flickiest hair. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just throw Rachel under the bus because she's the most attractive. She'll just go on a date with everyone and we'll actually do what we want to. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess in a way they're pimping her. Yeah, and speaking of people looking old, there's some bullies at the prom who also look about 30. With some fantastic lines like, hey, Mr. Nerdsville, hey, Dorco. Yeah, Yeah, Billy's being picked on. Yeah, I've written down Mr. Nerdsville as well. It says, look at his glasses and his square clothes. Oh my God, (laughs) who are you, the Fonz? (laughs) Yeah, it's so basic. And... They are all obviously <clears throat> taken aback when they see that he's on a date with Rachel. So like, wait, I mean, I feel like in this scenario, you know, he's got like a rich, important dad. Yeah. They probably would assume maybe she's like a, you know, she's been hired for the night, which she basically has. Yeah. Like they, pro- but they just kind of assume that she's his actual date and she kind of plays along with it to be nice. And she says, oh, I had to fight off loads of other girls to get to him myself which is a real it's a real trope of hot girl with a heart of gold helping a nerdy kid out of a situation right Mm -hmm. it happens in like never been kissed and all sorts of these kinds of programs as well one like you say he's got a rich dad so I mean I would imagine if you've got a big shot agent agent dad 
all you need to do to be popular is be like, party back at mine uh, after the prom. Um, <laughs> because presumably you've got a massive house in the hills. And secondly, it's, it is saying like his worth is purely like we're doing, we're just doing such a sort of basic 1950s trade-off. Like Rachel's worth is in her looks and a man's worth is in his ability to pick up a woman like Rachel. So her yeah. being like, I had to fight off some women. They're like, wow, he does have status because a woman likes him. And that's the important thing. Yeah, like he's clearly got something going on. Because when we see him later, he's got like women hanging off him, doesn't he? He's got like about five of them on his arms. Because yeah. they're so impressed because he's with Rachel. They're like, oh, man, he must have something going on there. Yeah. It's it's okay, guys. They don't have to like you for you. They just have to be tricked into liking you because they think that you have what you don't have. There's also a bit where she tells Billy that she thinks his hair is really sexy, which struck me as a bit bit age inappropriate. But also I feel like it's a weird word to be in like a kid's show. It was a bit like, oh, okay. Just, she's just telling this teenager that he's sexy. Yeah. And especially with the sort of somewhat maternal air that she's taken on with him. And she says, yeah, I think your hair's really sexy. He, he doesn't, he has a very regular haircut. Just has a short back and sides. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you could have said the glasses were sexy or something like that. Or I think your ruffled shirt is sexy because those are the sort of odd things about him. But his hair is just hair. It's just regular hair. He's not insecure about the hair, is he? Don't know. Yeah, and there's also a bit where they're sort of making fun of his dancing. So John, Paul and Bradley intervene and they start copying his moves, claiming, oh, everyone, all the cool people dance like this. And so the bullies start to join in. They're very easily led. Yeah, yeah. There's just a couple of lost souls, I think, those bullies, because then you later on see them from nowhere. Where did they get them? Putting on some geek glasses. Geeky glasses. (laughs) Where did they? What is this prom? What is the situation here, guys? Yeah, in the hallway, there's the deli sandwiches and the um, the opti- opticians. That's what they've got going on out there. And the British chippy. And the chippy. <laughs> so weird. And this is the point where we get their performance, which is uh, two in a million. Yeah, uh, they've performed this song in the show before in series one, but I guess it's sort of prom appropriate, isn't it? It's sort it's of very you know, prom people dancing with their dates. Yeah, and I was, I, I was like, oh, this song, I remember this song. Some good, mm-hmm. some good S Club vibes. It's quite a good tune. Yeah, it's quite a good sort of little ballad. They're all swaying. Mm. Something I wrote down at this point: the girls in the band are all wearing dresses that look like they would be in The Sims. That might have just just been the early 2000s, but... I think it was the early 2000s, but also what an excellent reference because I was checking out the dresses being like, yeah, Joe's particularly, actually Joe and Tina. Long and plain. But Tina's one is kind of silk with a sort of chinoiserie vibe. You know, there was that... yeah. time in the early 2000s end of the 90s where anything that looked a little bit like a Cheong Sam or something like that they'd be like yeah, yeah do that and then gel a little bit of hair down the side and put a chopstick in your bun and, <laughs> oh god yeah and you hot to trot a tiny little bag and Joe's got the kind of like sheer overlay that was very Tammy girl um mm-hmm. and I and I aspired to in my younger years yeah yeah, and Rachel's good. just got a sort of long black dress on. Hannah's got a pink one. Um, but yeah, that's sort of early 2000s. Like they're all quite, they don't look bad, but it's just sort of quite bland. It's and all quite basic. specific style. Yeah. yeah. And as the song comes to an end, John oh spots his mystery girl oh in the crowd. So he like jumps off the stage, runs up to her and just plants one on her at the end of the song. I wish you could have seen my face when that happened. (laughs) I was horrified. They have like a full blown snog. He has never, ever spoken to her. He's made eyes at her and she's immediately like run away from him three times where does this come from that's not okay 
that's not romantic. Don't sell eight-year-old Sophie the idea that that's romantic. Because it's quite intense. Like, it could have been a bit... It still would have been weird, but it would have been potentially a bit sweet if, oh, they just locked eyes. And then we saw a scene afterwards where they were, like, getting to know each other a bit. But it's just, I, they yeah. kiss really intensely. And then the next thing we know, because he, she's, like, already dumped him, she's apparently. She's dumped him. Or- <laughs> I thought that the obvious thing to do in that is that he sees her, runs down, and then they sort start dancing together, being two in a million, you know, as per the song. Yeah. But no... Full-blown lip lock, like, smooching <laughs> on the dance floor. Not only very, I mean, where was the consent there? But, guys, <laughs> do you think this will fly at a bar mitzvah? You're not ready for it, guys. Come on. Come on. No, it's not yeah. right. <laughs> They're not going to be booked again. They're going to be like, no, at the end, last year they, like, got off with all the students. <laughs> exactly. When that band again. Yeah. They got off with the underage students that they were meant to be entertaining. <laughs> And did she dump him or did she just kind of brush him off because she was never that interested anyway? I think she's mute. And um, (laughs) when he tried to have a conversation with her, he mistook her inability to do anything other than flick her hair around as a rejection. But she's just a cipher. She's like the woman in the red dress in the Matrix. She doesn't really (laughs) exist in any fully formed way. She's just a wet dream. (laughs) It's like... Bizarre. So it, but it turns out Mr. Walters was there all along. Gaslighting. So he saw the, yeah. And why did he say he wasn't going? He does a sort of whole spiel, doesn't he? That I, I didn't write down. But it was all kind of like, oh, this is Hollywood. Anything's anything. Or is it? Down, all that sort of thing. I'm yeah. here, or am I? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But he how to explain the fact that he's here will just make him give a really long-winded speech. But he's meant to be like a nice guy. I mean, that's what they're trying to sell us. But essentially, he could have left Billy, his son, without a date if Rachel had perfectly reasonably said, no, I'm really sorry, but the only reason I'm going on a date with you is because your dad said he was going to come and see our show. So mm. no, thank you. So... I don't know what game he's playing, but he's playing with fire as far as his young son's trauma is concerned. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, that's not cool. It'd be a bit weird as well if your dad just showed up to the prom. They don't, we don't really see them interact, do we? It would be weird. But it's okay, because he's fallen in love with, the, um, with John's love interest. <laughs> love at first sight. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out he does want to sign them up. Um, so I guess he's their new agent now. Then I guess later in the evening it is, Billy goes up to Rachel with all these girls hanging off his arms and says he wants to move on. And she looks quite offended at first, but then Sam comes over and asks her to dance. Yeah. And yeah, this is the point where the rest of them are quizzing John about this girl. And he's basically like, who? <laughs> uh, just doesn't care. And he he says, oh, you know, she's off dancing with Billy now. It was love at first sight. So it's like a callback to earlier, but it doesn't really make sense because surely... Billy and this girl already know each other if they go to the same school. Yeah, I mean, and and what happened to the other four girls that were literally hanging off him before? Like two seconds ago. And again, does this girl now only like Billy, who, like you say, she probably has maths class with or whatever, because he's somehow become, by association, cooler? Like, it's all so shallow, <laughs> <laughs> no one likes anything about anyone's personality at any point. No mm-hmm. one, nothing. No one's like, I just, oh, I just like Joe because she's funny and she likes cars. Nothing is, <laughs> it's, the whole thing is sold on just shallow first impressions and pursuing yeah. that to the absolute maximum. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> Joe summed that up pretty well when she was describing what she's into. Like, I'm a Taurus, I'm clumsy, and I like cars. Like, that was the brainstorming for the characters in the show. And that's the foundation upon which she built her... I actually thought she's like got the some of the most natural and characterful delivery in terms of the acting. Mm-hmm. She, she's got her own like her own personality, which is obviously quite sort of... What did she say at one point? Isn't she like, Oi, Sam or whatever. Oi, Rachel, you know, at the end. <laughs> yeah, she says, I'm going to kill her when she spots Rachel. 
getting off with Sam. She sort of goes storming over there going, I'm going to kill her. Yeah. Whereas Tina and uh, Rachel just seem to be like, we're being nice measured girls with nice hair, nice flicky hair. Um, They never sort of, Joe and Hannah have got a bit of cheekiness about them. That's my Yeah, guess. I feel like Hannah Hannah commits to it. She went all out when she was a clown earlier. Yeah. She's a bit more sort of kooky. And yeah, Joe is sort of she gets given a lot of lines that are quite sort of like, oi, like sort of a, a bit aggressive, but yeah. she does do it quite well. Actually, there was a bit earlier where they're all, you know, she's giving them a cake in the agent's office and she goes, We want to sing you a song. And it she's like being nice, but it looks like it's really forced because yeah. that isn't what Joe is like the rest of the time. Yeah. Like it, she's like, we'd like to sing you a song. Yeah. Oh. In the quite lame blooper reel, I was like, there's gotta be more than this, guys. <laughs> but she fluffs that line. Um, yeah, it just doesn't seem to come to her very naturally. So on your podcast, you kind of decide whether things from the past are still legit. So <laughs> dare I ask, would you say this is legit? And do you have any other sort of final thoughts on the episode at all that you haven't brought up already? Oh, I just really thought it was so... I do, I do find it hard to watch stuff like this now, having gotten so used to watching with my sort of still legit eyes on because it is mm-hmm. just selling it's selling a falsehood <laughs> to kids in such a such an obvious way it's like fame and looks that's what will get you somewhere don't bother trying to be a nice guy it doesn't matter that billy's a nice guy the point is <laughs> people think that he potentially was having sex with this very attractive woman um yeah so Overall, and they don't have proper personalities, which is a real shame, I think. (laughs) Um, As you say, it kind of swings moment to moment. But yeah, no no real final thoughts um, other than... I'm just looking at my uh, notes. (laughs) And quite close to the beginning, I just wrote, what is going on? (laughs) Um, So I guess that's... That sums it up, really. That's my final thought. (laughs) On this episode, yeah. Yeah. But that is the tagline for this podcast. What is going on? What is going on? <laughs> so before we finish, where can people find you online? And is there anything like your podcast that you'd like to plug? I would love to plug my podcast. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's called Still Legit. And it's uh, a podcast where we take... A good hard look at uh, at the sort of pop culture gems of our childhood, such as this, um, <laughs> and ask if it's still legit now that we know what we know about life, you know. Um, <laughs> so I do it with my um, comedy partner, Emily Lloyd Zaney. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of stuff like um, Recess and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. Never Been Kissed, which I think came up earlier. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Lots of stuff that you thought was fine when you were a child and now you watch it and you're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, check us out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.